So today we got a fantastic mortgage broker by the name <laughs> of Rafael Moreira. Uh, I met Rafael in the summer of 2022, was? Yep, summer of 2022. Yeah, I used to do door knocking at the time and knocked on Rafael's door. And here we are almost a year later. Yeah. Yeah, doing a podcast. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Rafael. We also got, uh, sorry, Kenny uh, and Mitch with us in the room. And uh, yeah, Rafael, tell us a little about yourself, where you're from, how you became a mortgage broker. Okay, awesome. Uh, well, um, I'm Rafael Moreira. I am a mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Centers Calgary. I've been in the industry for 24 years. I am not that old. I started when I was 16. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Okay. Uh, anyways, um, um, I graduated from the University of Calgary in '92 in business and economics, and from the University of Montreal uh, in investment and financing in 1996. And I've been a mortgage broker ever since then. I don't do car loans, credit cards. Uh, I only do mortgages, and we have access to 46 different lenders. Now, do you only do like? residential mortgages or do you do like commercial no, and stuff we, too we do commercial mortgages and we do residential mortgages oh, okay yeah okay yeah cool yes yes sir how about business financing uh, we do business financing also mm -hmm. uh, we have an arm from dominion lending that is a leasing entity so basically you have equipment that is paid for mm -hmm. like bobcats and forklifts etc we can go in give you the money we take um, possession on paper of the forklift, okay, and it's a lease. At the end of the lease, you can buy it back again. So why is it so important to have this money? Well, that money can be used for a down payment, mm -hmm. especially clients that are business for sale. Sometimes they have equity and the equipment, and we can tap into the equity and pull it out. Also, I have... Uh, financial company that <coughs> that gives uh, loans for businesses construction businesses restaurants uh, hair cutting salons that that we can can help them and in that way with that loan they can you know get the down payment also gotcha so it's various ways to obtain the down payment so you said uh, financial management company no it's it's a financial it's not a financial management company it's a company um Kingsman, and yeah. what they do, they uh, they give loans to entrepreneurs. We had in the past, in the last uh, last year, uh, government back government back uh, loans. Yeah. Unfortunately, that uh, program came to an end, and I'm just waiting for a quick review on the other uh, what other programs there's going to be out there. But the leasing it is from Dominion Lending. How did you? got to get to work with Dominion Lending. How did that happen? Well, I was working as soon as I got university. Um, um, I was working uh, with a New Concert Mortgage. Yeah. And eventually New Concert Mortgage became part of Dominion Lending. Mm -hmm. uh, at the time, New Concert Mortgage was in Center Street and 34th Avenue, Northwest. Yeah. And the position came opening for a, uh, an office here in the south by the Blackfoot Trail. And I live in Sundance Lake, so uh, obviously it was easy for me to obtain that other office. That's how we joined Dominion gotcha. Lending. Gotcha. And do you like it so far, Dominion Lending? I like it. It's yeah. a very uh, nice company to be with. Uh, it's lots of support. 
Uh, we have intranet. We have seminars. We have classes. We have upgrades. It, it is uh, it is good. It is yeah. very good. So you're probably like what one of the seniors in there now. Not because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, I am one of the core uh, founders there. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I mean, after 24 years, right? And basically, Dominion Lending has been 16. Yeah. And previously, that was New Concert Mortgage. That was the ones who hired me from university. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, from like our past conversations, I've kind of heard you say that you also do financial planning. Well, what I do, I do financial planning yeah. for the mortgage purposes. I talk uh, uh, with the CFP program. I have a, a CFP, a certified financial planning. Mm -hmm. Um, with that program, what I really concentrated was on the dowry rights, family law, and uh, how can I help the clients mortgage-wise. Mm. And I've been quite successful in advising clients to pay their homes in 15 years, mm -hmm. opposed to 25. It takes a little bit of effort, but it's not that much of an effort. And the reason is that let's say you're paying $2,000 a month your mortgage right now mm -hmm. let's assume that for some miracle of life the interest rate will never go up again mm -hmm. so if i can put you in a plan to pay your mortgage in 15 years you will be saving 10 years of payments you're paying two thousand dollars a month so in one year is twenty four thousand dollars and 10 years is $240,000. Question to the clients. Do they want to give $240,000 to the bank or they would like to keep the $240,000 for their retirement? So I have clients that follow the advice and they are, they are they're paying their homes in 14, 16, 17 years. Okay. That's part of the financial planning. Gotcha. Also, when, when it's divorce or you have children for different uh, um, marriages, how that will affect the income for child support, et cetera. That's what I, that's what I took a financial planning, especially for that. I do not sell mutual funds. Yeah. I don't do uh, exchange-traded funds, annuities. I don't do nothing like that. I can give you advice, okay? Just a couple of, for you to make an informed decision between, let's say, a mutual fund that is income fund or a mutual fund that is equity fund or an, um, a mutual fund that is exchange traded funds, the ETF, which they're my favorite funds. Why is that? Why is it your favorite? Because, and this is going to sound up um, a little um, uh, strong, but because the mare. Mare in French is something different. In English, mare is management expense ratios. Uh, the management expense ratio in a normal fund, yeah. it could, I'm not saying that it, it will, but yeah. it could eat up up to 30% of your retirement. Okay. Now, if you go exchange-traded funds, the management expense ratios are way lower. Okay. They, we are looking around the 5%, 3%. Okay. Okay, so it's better to do the exchange-traded funds because they mirror the stock exchange. You can go... You can go the FTCE in London. You can go the DAX in Germany. You can go um, uh, the Toronto Stock Exchange. You can go uh, the Dow Jones in New York, whatever. Just don't go with the Nikkei in in Japan. Why not? 
because Japan is, is going into, has been for the longest time in what you call a stagnation, and they're having serious trouble. They have the interest rate at zero, and uh, still they cannot grow the economy. Do so you think uh, Canada is ever going to face that kind of problem? It depends. Mm-hmm. It depends who is at the helm. Mm, of course. If we have a, a drama instructor running yep. the country, or if we have an economist yeah. like Harper, <laughs> uh, it's a two different two different uh, ways of thinking. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, but uh, I don't f- foresee Canada having that that particular problem that Japan is having. Why Why is Japan having that problem? Number one is the population is aging, uh, and as you age, you yeah. tend not to spend that much. Uh, that's number one, and number two. The reason is that the governor of the central bank in Japan is not increasing the rates. Therefore, the Japanese yen is losing value in the international market. Yen is the currency? The yen is the currency okay. of Japan. Okay, yes, okay, yeah. yes. Uh, it's only, I will say, a good nine currencies in planet Earth that are worth something. Yeah, like. <laughs> uh, the the American dollar is number one. The British sterling pound, the euro, uh, the Australian dollar, the New Zealander dollar, uh, the Canadian dollar, and of course the Japanese yen. Okay. All other currencies have have no convertibility other than going first to the dollar. Let's say it's from the yuan, the Chinese yuan, to the dollar, and from the dollar, they do the transactions. Don't the Chinese and the Russians and the Indians want to come up with their own kind of world currency? Yes, it's sort, called or? the BRICS. BRICS BRIC is for Brazil, uh, India, Brazil, Russia, India, and, and, and China. Okay, uh, they've been trying that for the last 14 years. And how's that working out? Um, they try, it's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> about we the, love those. A, about the, about the, the covid yeah. That supposedly is man-made, and it was done to uh, enhance the power, the purchasing power of the yen. However, one young lady, to me she's a young lady, 43 years old, yeah. uh, an economist from the United Kingdom, came out with the um, uh, easement policy, which means every every bank, every central bank, the, the Central European Bank, the Bank of England, the Bank of the United States, the Federal Reserve, and the Bank of Canada, and the Japanese ones too, they can print money out of the thin air. Hmm. And that what, that's what has been doing. So we kept the purchase power because we have been printing money. It's called an easement policy. So basically the Bank of Canada prints a million dollars. With that million dollars, the government of Canada sells bonds not to be confused with james bond i know that he's your hero <laughs> yeah. your hero but it's okay no james bond has nothing to do with it so the bank the, the government of canada makes bonds and the bank of canada buys those bonds yeah and gives the money to the government mm-hmm. so the most recent debt that we have in the country because the pandemic is with the bank of canada no with international investors. Which is not a bad thing, I suppose. It is not a bad thing. Okay, and the European Union did the same, the Bank of England did the same, uh, Australia did it to a certain extent, the Japanese do their personal, you know, inflationary process and the stagnation, they did a little bit of it, but not that much. How about the uh, good old Americans? What did they do? I think they owe a lot of money to the Chinese, don't they? Uh, the debt of the United States, it depends how do you want, what kind of ice cream you're looking for. 
Uh, the sweetest one. <laughs> the, su the sweetest one is that the, the debt of the United States is about $28 trillion. That sounds very... Bear, I know, scary. but that's the sweet one. Yeah. But you look into consideration all the pensions for the public employees, the debt of every every county, every state, and every city, mm -hmm. then the debt climbs over $50 trillion. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a crazy But again, amount. the economy of the United States is so strong and so huge yeah. that they can manage those ratios. Mm. And by the way, the government of Canada... No, thanks. We cannot thank the present administration, but the former administrations, the government of Canada, Canada itself, is the one of the G7 countries with the less lower per capita debt in the world. Do you think that's going to change anytime soon? Do you think there's going to be more debt? It, it, it depends who wins the next election. Yeah. Um, you know, politicians use money to get popular with the voters. Yeah. And unfortunately, they don't foresee 20, 30 years from now what your children okay, are going to be paying. Yeah. The debt is going transgenerational, is going to the children and the great-grandchildren. Like in my case, it's yeah. already going to affect the, the, the great-grandchildren. Yeah. But from a politician point of view, that's not my problem. I am not going to be in office 30 years down the road. Yeah, so it's not And whatever choice. happens is going to be whoever is in turn, right? Yeah. But we have to be careful because we cannot, it's some Americans saying that Canada will be, we are going to be the Greeks of the North. I know if you guys are familiar what happened with Greece. Well, the ancient Greece or the modern Greece? The modern Greece. Yeah, the <laughs> those guys. <laughs> the modern Greece. Uh, they they had to be bailed out by the European Union yeah. steadily. Uh, they have a huge level of debt. Uh, they have so many programs from the government and so many assistance from the government. And basically, almost half of the population of the country was working for one level of government or the other one. It wasn't sustainable. The level of debt for for the Greeks it wasn't sustainable. I and also heard like a lot of them were avoiding paying taxes and yeah. Whatnot. Well, they have they have uh, what do you call uh, an underground economy? Oh, uh, you go to one of those fancy places in Athens and then you say, okay, I would like to buy that shirt, and then uh, Mitch says, okay, let's buy the shirt. How much is it? So I am the salesman. I say, well, if you pay cash, it's four euros, but if you don't want to receive, but if you want to receive that shirt, is seven fifty in euros. So then the client said, "You know what? I'm going to give you cash." Yeah, Mitch, you offered him cash for the shirt. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, four four euros for shirt. So, so it is it is a, a, a situation that the workers are overtaxed, and unfortunately, not the U.S., uh, not the United Kingdom. Uh, not France, but the Greeks, they were overtaxed. And in economics, is what we call the real rate of taxation. And let's say Kenny, he makes $100,000 income. Out of that income, he pays roughly about $40,000 in taxes. So you pay your taxes, right? Because with your forty thousand, with your sixty thousand that you have left, mm -hmm. 
you go to the gas station and then you pay highway tax, transportation tax, pollution tax, carbon tax, provincial tax, and you pay tax, 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 right? When you go to Safeway and you buy an apple, okay, you're paying the taxes that Safeway had to pay, the, the, the carbon tax to keep that apple cold. They have to pay the carbon tax on the electricity. They have to pay the municipal taxes that just keep going up and up. Business taxes of okay. all sorts. Plus yeah. the business tax. And also they have to pay the transportation costs from the apple, okay, in the truck that is paying carbon tax. So carbon tax is highly inflationary, okay? Uh, and then you keep paying all these taxes, right? So to the point that we go to the real rate of taxation. So the real rate of taxation for Kenny is not going to be 40%. It's going to be roughly 48%. Again, but he can take control of that if he doesn't buy nothing. Okay? Then he's, he's only paying his, his 40%. Yeah, but how is he, he going to live? But how is he going to drive? Or that, yeah. Yeah, so... so you tax in your income, and then you tax on the product on the products that you buy, and on top of all that is the GST. Yeah. So, and then is what you call the multiplier. The multiplier in economics is when you buy, um, let's say that apple, okay, and then that apple you multiply the taxes of that apple from the distribution center in Winnipeg the storage cons uh, cost on Winnipeg with the carbon tax, et cetera, et cetera, transportation costs. So all those, co all those taxation costs are added to the cost of the product. So, so the one apple's probably worth $50 an apple. So the taxes keep going up. And the problem that the Greek had is that the real taxation rate, the real rate, the, the real taxation rate, was so high that people went went onto the black market. They just decided to say no more, I don't pay no more taxes, and start doing it in cash. Is that kind of what happened in Venezuela or something? No, Venezuela, it's, uh, it's something that there were people here in the liberal left are not going to like. Uh, Venezuela became a socialist country, and they intervened the banking system, the private sector, the companies, and right now, they are in a, in a complete and total mess. They have the, lar the second largest oil reserve in the world. However, Venezuela has to buy oil from Iran because they lost all the know-how, the, all the people, all the Venezuelan engineers, geologists, uh, hydraulic engineers, all those guys, they left. PDVSA was the company that, that was looking after the oil in Venezuela, and the government took over PDVSA, and they put their own cronies in there. Unfortunate people that some, they don't even have high school, and it's nothing against not being educated, but you need certain level of technocrats and to administrate, and you need certain level of knowledge. Like, you're not going to send a baker to do a drill for oil, in the same way that you're not going to send an oil driller to work as a dentist. You know, it's just it's common sense. Okay, so in the name of the revolution and the name of this and that, now Venezuela uh, has an inflation, I believe, that 103, 
1,300% inflation per year. How much, sorry? 1,300% uh, inflation. That's a lot. And we, we're complaining about our inflation here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it is, it is bad. It, it, is, um, it is a different yeah, thing. And that's, and that's a sample that hom how the businesses and the private enterprises and the public and the general population is affected from a country or a government that insists in doing socialist changes in an economy. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's quote Margaret Thatcher on this. Socialism is wonderful and it works until the private sector runs out of money. So let's not, not kill the private sector. Yeah. You know, so. Um, so is that what's been causing the inflation in Canada, like the decline of the private sector during COVID time, or? No, no, no. The the inflation on our country, it's uh, it's uh, being a different factors. Mm -hmm. We have the macro global factor, okay. That is the channels of distribution. Let's say from China, yeah. uh, even from Mexico, yeah. or from Africa. Um, the channels of distribution is the transportation of the products into the market. Right now, because the pandemic and all the stops and all this, we still have bottlenecks on the ports. Like if you go to, to San Jose, California, Los Angeles, or, or even Seattle, you can see that lots of ships are still anchored in front of the port because they are waiting for all the, all the other ships to unload and to distribute all that. It was a problem with the truck drivers. It was a problem with the ships coming in. And um, that created bottlenecks and then created a scarcity. In other words, we go back to Mitch with the shirt. He likes the shirt for four euros. Now he's in Canada, four euros are about $6.50. Unfortunately, he wants that shirt, but there is no shirts in Canada. There is stock in Seattle or in Vancouver. Then he sees a shirt similar to the one that he wants, but it's not six dollars and fifty cents. It's eleven dollars. So Mitch goes and buys that shirt for eleven dollars. That creates inflation. So and it's two types of inflation. Okay. So that's one of one of the types. Okay. We have our standard inflation at this point is uh, it was six point three percent. Sorry, it was six point eight percent and it dropped to six point three. The Bank of Canada wants the average inflation at two percent. So okay. we're slightly above that. So we are three point eight percent above the target. Number one. The other problematic inflation is what we call the core inflation. The core inflation is an inflation that takes out gasoline and food. Why? Well, gasoline and food they go up and down constantly, okay, like rubber balls, right? Like right now, gasoline here in Calgary is, is 1.62 or something like that? No, no, right now the gasoline is 1.21, 1.29. Oh, it went down. Yeah, 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 it went down. But it, at that point, it was a 1.62. So it's very hard for an economist to, to pinpoint that. So you take those two parameters out, and then you go what is the core inflation, housing, uh, um, you know, uh, Increments on closing, uh, cost of living, rent, etc. And unfortunately, the core inflation from 4.7 has mm -hmm. gone up to 5.0. Mm -hmm. 
So the core inflation is going up. And the average of inflation is coming down. That is signaling that the Bank of Canada might increase the rates at the end of the month. At the end of the At the end of January. January. Okay. Yeah. After those geniuses say no, no, we no more increase rates. And uh, now we're looking about another increase. So In my opinion, I am hoping for zero point twenty-five percent. Yeah. The talk with the hawks in the Bank of Canada is zero point five uh, five zero, half a point. Zero point five zero. So yeah. what what's that going to leave us at with the interest rates? Well, the interest rate right now is three types of rates. Okay. And people get confused, and people do not know. Okay. Especially when you buy in a house, you hear, "Oh, the bank of the overnight rate is three point five. Great, I can get a mortgage for three point five. <laughs> no, that's the over the overnight rate. That's what the Bank of Canada charges to all the financial institutions, including the all the banks, banks yeah. all the banks. So now there is something named the lending prime. The lending prime on the banks right now, it's um, I think it's a six point six point forty five percent. That is the lending prime. So that's okay. so that's what the banks are charging you, mm -hmm. okay? Because the banks charge you six point four five, and they have to pay the government three point five. So the spread is what the banks keep as a profit. Yeah. Now for mortgages and the variable mortgage. The variable mortgage is based on the overnight rate and the lending prime. For instance, Scotia Bank and TD Bank, they have discounts on the rates by 0.5%. So it's half a point. Let's say the rate is 6.45. One of these banks is going to give you half a point, which is 5.95%. Um, mm -hmm. That will be your variable rate in a bank. We brokers have access to financial institutions that is called mono lenders. Mono means one. Lender, well, is a lender. Okay. So a mono lender, they don't do car loans. They don't do uh, student loans. They don't do private loans. They, 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 they don't do nothing other than mortgages. And because they're doing that, and they don't have that big of overhead on branches and administration and all that, they can lower the rate. So a mono lender can give the client 0.9% discount on the variable rate. So 6.4945 minus 9 points, 0.9, that equals the rate that the client can have, which is about 5.25 around there. 5.25 to 5.5 or something. Yeah, Interesting. yeah. Yeah, that is the rate for variable, okay? Now, we have the other rate, this, the third rate, and that is the bond market. Again, nothing to do with James Bond. Okay. Calm down, <laughs> calm down, buddy, calm down. The bond market is based on a macro global economical um, um, calculation. Yeah. Okay, when the economy senses that might be a recession, it might be not a recession, and this country is going to be affected in a different way. Italy, for instance, is going to be affected more than Canada. Okay. Um, now, with the bond market, right now, the bond market is coming coming down, and we have a five-year five-year rate 
fix non-variable for 4.84. This happens not that often in which the fixed rate is lower than the variable rate. So that's what the rates are. So how does, like, can, does everybody have access to those bond rates or no? Everybody has access to the bond market, yes. Okay. So how can an average individual, instead of going to a motor lender, go through a... No, no. They, they, they can go to a broker. The yeah. broker will have more access than a bank. Oh, okay. So so that's kind of what you do. Yes. Yeah. I, I deal with uh, Scotia Bank, with, yeah. this, with TD Bank, with yeah. National Bank, with Bandesjardin to Canada, with Hong Kong, Shanghai Banking Corporation. So those guys are the ones with the higher rate. Yeah. Some credit unions also have a little bit of a higher rate. Yeah. Um, but the monolenders like CMLS Financial, First National Financial, all those guys, those monolenders, they keep their rates a little bit lower. Uh, right now, CMLS uh, is giving a very good rate for a fixed term. So oftentimes, you would probably be able to get a better rate than the bank. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, more options. For instance, Kenny. Kenny is a businessman. Yeah. Okay. Again, Kenny makes $100,000. But because he's a business for self, he deducted the depreciation of his vehicle, the gasoline, the car insurance, his cell phone, uh, those meetings, those um, uh, any expense that you can have business-related. Like if you have an office from home, you can deduct 20 25% of the interest rate of the mortgage, 25% of the taxes. So all those deductions... Okay, so you make $100,000 and then you end up with about $48,000 income. That's the income that we can use to qualify a purchase. And to be honest, with $45,000, maybe you can buy a cardboard in Moose Joe, Saskatchewan. <laughs> okay? Um, but it's an option for, for Kenny. If he has 20% down payment, we have banks that they don't want to see your taxes. They want to see how much money goes into this company account. And we can use that money as income. A hundred grand. And you send a letter, I, Kenny, hereby declare that I will be making a hundred thousand dollars. For that we need decent credit. No, no derogatories like uh, yeah, bankruptcies, orderly payment of debt, and you know, and all those things, right? And one-to-one -one basics, I can deal with people that are in bankruptcy or they just got released from bankruptcy, and and I have banks that they will give them a mortgage. For instance, Scotia Bank and TD, they you have to wait seven years after being discharged for a mortgage for a bankruptcy to apply for a mortgage. But you ha absolutely have to be discharged. Yes. Otherwise, Absolutely. you have to go through a like a yeah. Third no, year. nobody will give you a mortgage if you are not discharged because the moment that you buy a house, the bankruptcy process takes over and a caveat the property. Oh. Okay, you are declaring bankruptcy because you don't have money. Yeah. But now they're buying a house. Like, uh, could you explain that to me? So essentially, uh, the lawyers have to do their magic and discharge mm -hmm. the. The no, bankruptcy. they discharge the bankruptcy. Uh, even once it discharge, I we can go, we can move forward. Seven years. Seven years is is removed. So, but you don't have time to wait for that, right? Mm -hmm. 
So we can do a mortgage if you had just been discharged yesterday and you have 20% down payment, we can do that mortgage. It's something that the banks cannot do. It's just going to be at a higher rate of interest. Absolutely. Yeah. There is a higher rate because the risk is higher. I see. Um, the rate reflects the, the risk. Gotcha. The risk on the loan. Gotcha. Yeah. I see. I see. So with a lot of things happening right now with the economy and everything like that, so you, you're saying that the interest rates are going to be going up another well, 0.5 the, the or 0.25? Yeah, that's what the signaling was for today from yeah. the Bank of Canada. Again, we don't know until it happens. But you know? do, we f do we foresee, and, and I know it's, it's, it's hard to, to, um, to say these kind of things, but do we foresee any more hikes past January? Probably yes, mm -hmm. because and the inflation has been relentless, and the federal mon uh, the federal government keeps giving money to to actually to people that doesn't really need it or doesn't deserve it, and with that money they are buying and buying and buying. So that's why the core inflation has gone up mm. from five four point seven to five percent, and and that is worrisome from the Bank of Canada. Okay, because we don't need to be in a permanent cycle of inflation where prices don't come down. Okay, the idea that the Bank of Canada has is to lower the rates eventually. Now, I keep hearing that by the end of 2024, rates, the variable rate, is going to start to come down. By the end of 2024? By the end of 2024. Some people say, well, I will, I will like to a variable rate and, and, and run my, and, you know, and take my chances. Again, um, that is up to, to, to the client. But just remember, the higher the rate, okay, the present administration has introduced what is called the stress test and adds two full points to whatever rate are you taking. So let's go back to the fixed rate. The fixed rate is 4.89. We add those two points and become 6.89. The client is not going to pay that money. The client only has to qualify at that price. And unfortunately, those two extra points from the government requesting the qualify those two extra points are taking away about 20% of the purchase power of a client buying a house. Exactly. It is, it is a problem. I, I did agree with this stress test ratio when the rates were 1.8, 2.24 for a five-year term. Yes, it was too low. We have to fence up you know, so yes, I agree on that. But now, the bond market and the variable rate market, they are at pre-pandemic levels. So we don't really need this test. We have to go back to the pre-pandemic levels and remove that stress test out of the books. Unfortunately, um, CAMP, the Canadian Association of Mortgage Professionals, which I belong to, and AMBA, the Alberta Mortgage Brokers Association, and all the associations, the interprovincial associations, uh, requested a meeting with the Minister of Finances 
uh, to ask for that rate to be removed. And what are the chances of that? Well, we end up going to the assistance of the secretary, of, of the second secretary, <laughs> of the first assistant, of the second assistant, of the minister, helper. The, you, it went nowhere. Yeah. It went nowhere. But I, I believe that before the next election, that rate will be gone because it's popular and, and the present administration will look like a million dollars. So when is the next election? It depends if they can call a snap election or it can be a couple of years from now. So in a couple of years, we can expect the 2% to disappear. I am hoping that, yes, because there is going to be no more need for it. Yeah. Right. Actually, right now, there is no need for it. When you have rates that are equal or higher to pre-pandemic levels, what is the? why do we need a, a, a stress test? You know, so, so now with all those stress tests and all those extra insurance policies that lenders and the government want to implement, mm. what do lenders and uh, mortgage brokers look when qualifying people for, well, for mortgages? To qualify for a mortgage is not that complicated, and I will advise all the people to, to do their homework first. Mm-hmm. Okay, to go and and find out how much money are you making? Are you an employee or your business for self? If your business for self, what is your average for the last two years that you declare taxes? Mm-hmm. Again, forty five thousand dollars a year Ain't gonna get unless the spouse is a full time worker and salary making sixty thousand, yes, it's gonna be fine. But if if it's just the husband making that money, it, we need 20% down payment. Number one. Number two, you have to have credit. Okay? And credit is two trades, minimum. Okay? One is an R. The R is for revolving. That means credit cards. We need clients with credit cards, one or two credit cards for 3000 to $5,000 limit. Is there a certain amount of years that they have to have that credit card, or Ab- about a year? About a year. About a year, yes. Mm-hmm. And also, we need the I credit history. Mm-hmm. The I is for installment. Mm-hmm. Car payment is an installment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, lines of credit. Okay. Bank loans, student loans. They are installments. Sometimes clients don't have the eye, so my advice is to go to the bank, ask for a, a, a tiny loan to invest in the free tax savings accounts or whatever, and then you, you're making $90 a month payment on that loan, and then it shows in your bureau an eye for, for the loan. Okay, so that is, uh, that is uh, another way to prepare yourself for... for so for would that loan be... A personal line of credit or a line of credit I, I will prefer a loan uh, mm-hmm. like an RRSP loan or a free tax saving account loan <laughs> because uh, I have learned that when the people have access to the line of credit they just use it <laughs> and they get into debt and there is nothing there to show for instead if you go for an RSP loan let's say a thousand dollars 
you're paying $90 a month and you have that $1,000 investment in your account. So it looks better on paper. And how easy is it to get an RSP loan? That, like in finances, the answers in finances <laughs> is it depends. Okay, of course. It depends on the, the report that the person will have with the bank, what kind of income, what kind of debt, and what kind of uh, credit the, the, the client has. So that's kind of information for somebody who's been living in Canada or is you know from Canada. Mm. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know, me, Kenny, and Mitch, we're all real estate agents. And by default, we'll, we either have worked with uh, people from abroad who have immigrated to Canada. I've recently been working with people like that. Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, we'll, we'll probably in the future be working with people like that. Yeah, r right now I have a, a, f a file with uh, people from, from Venezuela, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and they are new to Canada. They are being in the country for about 11 months. Mm -hmm. And they have one credit card for $500 and another credit card for $1,000. They are, um, with their uh, temporary working permit, they are not permanent residents yet. And I just talked to uh, one of our lenders, CMLS Financial, and uh, we're moving forward with the application. Clients have 10% down payment. And the Welcome to Canada is basically, um, we need a letter from the landlord saying that for 11 months they've been paying on time. So it has to be a minimum of 11 months. It has to be a minimum of one year. One year. Sometimes I can push it for 10 months, 11 months. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But when when it's, uh, it is like six months or, or, or 10 months or eight months, um, they, they welcome to Canada doesn't work. So what else can, so let's say, because I've had a few clients who have been in Canada for only six months. What are their options? If they are, if they don't have established, because in six months you can have established credit. Yeah. In six months you can have, like I have a clients uh, seven months in the country, and two credit cards with a limit of about twenty five thousand dollars between the both of them, mm -hmm. and they cannot op they cannot buy do a loan for an RRSP because they are not permanent residents. So the social insurance number doesn't allow them to do that. However, they can go for a needed for a free tax saving account. They can't because again, the social insurance number doesn't allow them to do that. But what we they can do is do a loan and put the the loan into savings. And in that occasion, we don't need we don't need any any trades. And does that affect their interest rate at all? Or sometimes it does. Sometimes mm -hmm. it doesn't. So uh, what what causes it to be well either higher or? It, it will be the, the sense of risks that, that mm -hmm. the lenders are, are facing. Mm -hmm. Okay, but when you have 10% down payment, it is insured by the Canadian Mortgage Corporation, Sagent, and Canada Warranty. So the lender has no risk. The risk is being assumed by the insurer, mm -hmm. not the lender. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, with the high levels of risk management, from the banks and from the government of Canada, um, do they still consider um, like credit history from abroad? Only from the United Kingdom mm -hmm. and from the United States. And to just to refresh our memory here, what's part of the United Kingdom nowadays? Uh, it will be the United Kingdom will be Northern Ireland, mm -hmm. 
Scotland, mm -hmm. England, and Wales. Mm -hmm. Those are the part of the United Kingdom, and they will accept m credit bureau from the United Kingdom. But no other European countries, like mm. Germany, for example. Spain doesn't have it. Germany does. They don't have a credit. Oh, they don't. No, in Spain there is no credit bureau. Neither in Italy. So, like all those credit. Um, I don't know how they do real estate over there. Yeah, it's insane because like yeah. Canada has a list of countries that we have we, we tax have treaties with and, and we share credit information and tax information. Yeah, with the, yeah with the, with we, we do and we have also a, a, a countries on the, on, the, on the blacklist that no money <laughs> coming from those countries can be used for the down payment. And what countries are those? Uh, it changes, but basically the, the core is uh, Iran, Iraq, Libya, Lebanon, Lebanon? Uh, yeah, lots of countries on Africa. Like Liberia, uh, for example. Yeah, no, not Liberia, like uh, Libya or or the Cameroon and all those other countries. Okay. Okay, uh, that they don't, they just they are blacklisted. For the down payment, it's 90 days. And if the money is coming from the U.S. as a gift, I can do 30 days, 45 days. That's not too bad, eh? Yeah, it's from, the U from the U.S. Rich uncle yeah. from the U.S. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then um, with the new rule, if anybody doesn't know, uh, foreigners to a certain extent cannot buy properties Correct. in Canada anymore. Correct. So how does that affect the the foreign buyers who are not ca uh, Canadian permanent residents or Canadian citizens but if are employed? If they have a work permit. But like uh, like there's I, I was reading an article about this lady from France. She's a nurse, but she cannot buy a property. If she's working outside Canada, she can't. No, she she works in Canada on a work permit, but she cannot get a... Tell permit. that lady to call me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what kind of... You could be a janitor, but as long as you have a work permit, you can... Yes, but again, you need you need a trace of history on that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I just had one, uh, the fellow from Buenos Aires. Uh, the guy is an IT, an engineer. Yeah. Uh, situation in, in, in Argentina is deteriorating a bit. In, so what, in what regard? Sorry. Uh, re, uh, social and, and it's social upheaval and economical. Okay. Yeah, Argentina is not what it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, they did win the World Cup, though, so good for them. Yeah, that's good for <laughs> them. Uh, maybe that will, will help the economy. Who knows? Yeah, they want to put uh, Messi as president or, some, or, some <laughs> yeah. or something like Messi that. for president. There right. you go. That will definitely yeah. help. <laughs> no, I, the problem is that they had a, a, a center-right party, and then the, the, the socialist government won, and they implemented all kind like more or less like Venezuela was doing, uh, subsidies for food, for transportation, for rent, subsidies for everything, right? And the debt kept on piling, and then the IMF was asking for money to be paid back, and they just declined the debt and they say we are not paying the IMF. Oh, so they just uh, so the IMF cut the the power. Let's say there's no more Jews going to Argentina, and then they just balk. Now they have another government that is from center right, 
mm-hmm. and they are trained to fix it. But it's going to take some time for sure. It takes some time. It's lots of people from Venezuela, lots of people from Haiti living in Argentina, and, and it's getting some of people population-wise. So mm-hmm. that that is the situation in Argentina. But let's go back to my client. He's an IT in Buenos Aires, mm-hmm. graduated from the University of Buenos Aires, um, and he's working here. And he goes to the Bank of Montreal, and they decline him. He's a temporary worker, and he is cleaning uh, janitorial duties in Chinook Mall at night. That's it. He was, because he's an IT in Argentina, and here is a cleaner. So he needs two years minimum as a cleaner in Canada to get a mortgage. So the realtor comes, and he gives me a call, right? And I say, okay, I need to talk to the client. So I talk to the client. And we talk about football a little bit, the football. <laughs> uh, he, um, and then uh, I said to you, what do you do? And and she said, well, I clean. Yeah, but do you clean with a mop? Do you clean the windows? What do you clean? Oh, no, it's that little machine he goes. He goes and he goes around the mall and, and the machine, he has a propane tank and, and then... In the, in the Zamboni-looking thing, yeah, right? Yeah, Zamboni-looking yeah. thing. And I said to him, explain me, how do you operate that machine? Oh, well, I press a button for hot water, a button for soap, they another one for the squishy. I lower the squishy with a, with a, hydraulic, with, with a hydraulic thing. Yeah. And then I, I just... So I said, so you operate a computer on that machine. Oh, so he's an IT guy. So you are a light in... A light IT industrial operator. We put it like that. Send it in. No problem. Approve. It's not what do you have, but how do you present the file? And technically that is the case. He is an equipment operator. Yeah, he is an industry, a light industrial uh, computer equipment operator. Yeah, that's... Because the machine has a computer. Fascinating. And we can take a picture. We can send it in. You know, you have to press this button for something. Yeah. This other one, and he's an IT guy, so he yeah. knows how to press button. Yeah, right. And uh, no, that's all fantastic. But uh, we've we've worked on a few deals together with you. Yeah. And uh, you know, like with with the current situation with the interest rates and whatnot, what mistakes do you see people make with their um, either requests for mortgages okay. or once they get the mortgages? Well, m- what I'm seeing is people are totally unprepared. They want to go and see houses, uh, put an offer, and then do the mortgage. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. We are not buying piñatas in Puerto Vallarta. Okay? <laughs> we are not buying uh, you know, Levi jeans in, in, in San Francisco. We are buying a home. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a big decision. It is the first and largest financial decision that a Canadian is going to make in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Okay. Houses are around between condos and houses between mm-hmm. a quarter of a million dollars to two million dollars. So that is not chop change. This is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. The mistakes that they make, uh, they don't prepare themselves uh, work-wise or credit-wise. Uh, some people, they have collections. Some people, they have, and when we check the bureau, 
you have like ten thousand, seven thousand dollars will be paid. Another ones they are paying Revenue Canada, and they think, well, I am paying Revenue Canada, so I'm okay. Well, no, when you want to buy a house, why? Because Revenue Canada has what is called the first right of call. So if you owe money to Revenue Canada and you buy a house owing money to Revenue Canada, Revenue Canada could, they don't will, but they could put a lien on your property. And Revenue Canada has the first right of call. So whatever the banks want to do, whatever the Canadian Mortgage House Corporation want to do, is irrelevant because Revenue Canada has a lien on that property. So, so when there is taxes owing, no lender will give you money. Because essentially what that means is that if a lender gives you money and you owe money to the government, the government will come and take that money, essentially. It's, it will take it as a form of a lien yeah, on the yeah, property. Yeah. yeah, Or a wraith or and whatever. You no know, lender wants title. its money taken away from no. Yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. So that's one thing. So... The, the client has to make sure of their financials first. Mm -hmm. And again, if you go to a, to a bank at 5.59% interest rate, remember, mm -hmm. we have to add those two points. Mm -hmm. So the 5.59 becomes 7.59. And that is going to affect your purchase power. Mm -hmm. Now, if you come to a monolender, your qualifying rate is going to be 6.84. So, so it's lower. So that gives you more purchasing power. Mm -hmm. Okay, so these, these stress tests and the rate on the banks are, are playing havoc with the financials. You know, and, and the other one is the GDS and the TDS. The GDS is the growth debt service ratio. TDS is total debt service ratio. In past administration, the GDS was irrelevant or at 69%. In other words, we were able to use 69% of your income to qualify the purchase, the municipal taxes, the utilities, the car payments, the line of credit, the student loans, and the credit cards. Now, we only can use 39%. In other words, you make $100,000 like any full-time employee. We can only use $39,000 to pay the car, the student loan, the client of credit, uh, the credit cards, the mortgage, in municipal taxes and utilities. So what that means is that your mortgage cannot be more than 40% of your income. Is that what you... 39% of, of your income. Yes. Mm -hmm. So if you're making... $100,000. We only can use 39%. Okay, so your mortgage cannot be more than $39,000. No, because we don't know how much money the client owns on car payment. For instance, you have a car payment of, it's very simple. You have $39,000, mm -hmm. you divide $39,000 in 12 months. Mm. And from that result, let's mm -hmm. say you got $39,000, so you receive about $2,400 a month. From that money, you're making a truck payment of $900 a month. That's a hefty payment. Yeah, <laughs> or 800 I have clients with $700, Jeez. $800. Yeah. So you reduce that. Then is the $300 from, from uh, student loans. Then is the line of credit. Then 
so at the end of the day, the clients is left with $310 a month to spare using 39%. What mortgage can he, what can he buy with $300 a month? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Again, we have a guy making less money, 80000 But he has no debt. But he has no debt. So he or she, usually it's a she because women are more... Um, Person. No, they, they are more cautious when it comes to debt. They they can buy more. Mm-hmm. Okay? And and when they call me and they want that rate of 2.4, 2.6, those rates, they don't exist anymore. The best rates are in the 4, 4. 4.8, 4.84. And the variable is the lending prime, 6.45, minus the discount from the lender. Banks are giving... F- half a point discounts, mono lenders are giving almost a whole point discount on the variable. Yeah. It's still higher than the fix. Yeah. So the variable right now is higher than fixed. Yes, mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things in history that it has happened in the past. Okay. Um yeah. Yeah, it has happened in the past. Yeah. No, they put caps. Uh, they put caps, meaning that your payment will not go up, but all the money goes for interest only. So you're, what you're doing, you are deflecting or referring for later the payment. So your level of debt is still the same. You know, so you have to be careful. Absolutely. What What do you do? What I've also been seeing is a lot of, you've probably heard of people buying properties they can't really afford in hopes that they can refinance it and use that money to kind of, you know, lower their payments. How does that look well, nowadays? Well, right now I'm seeing lots of refinancing, uh, especially with people that were on the variable rate. Yeah. Uh, the variable rates at the time were nice, were 2%, 1. 1.5%, 3%. Those rates are gone. So now what people are doing, they are they are refinancing, okay? They are refinancing their properties and instead of going for 20 years, 24 years, or 19 years, assuming that they have enough equity in the house, they have at least 25% equity, then they can go 40-year amortization. So the lower payment exists. But in a place like Toronto where, you know, the, the values of properties have gone down by 20 25 percent a lot of people can't do that anymore no no so they have to unfortunately return the keys that's what is called the underwater mortgage yeah so let's say you have like you see in the news all the time they bought a they bought a con a two-bedroom condo for almost a million dollars now that condo is worth six hundred thousand seven hundred thousand and the mortgage is worth nine hundred thousand yeah so there is no way for, for, for those people to, and you know, if they cannot make the payment, then they have to sell at 700000 mm-hmm. And they are responsible for the loss. Yeah. The Canadian Mortgage Corporation will come after the clients for those $200,000. Yeah. And usually will screw up your credit. So that's why you have to be very careful. You need a good realtor. You need someone who knows economics and someone 
uh, who, who realtors who keep their their ear to the ground, feeling all the vibrations. Yeah. That's what you need. Calgary, thank God, is a different is a different creature. Okay, we are going in the upswing. For instance, since 2021 all the way up to 2022, okay, uh, Alberta, Alberta has created 221,000 new jobs. Alberta has created 20, almost 25% of all, all the, the new jobs in Canada. So think about it. Yeah. Alberta has f a little population of 4 million people. You put the population of Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Nunavut, uh, Northwestern Territories, and the Yukon together, and all the population of those five provinces and the territory is less that the GTA population, the Grand, Tr the Grand Toronto Greater Toronto area. population. Yeah. So, so how, how did we manage to get these many jobs? Where, where are these jobs coming from? Uh, well, remember, we, when the prices went down, okay, we lost 84,000 jobs in the oil patch alone without thinking what is called the reverse multiplier. The prices for fuel, for um No, no, we, we lost, yeah, we yeah. lost... And and you see, for instance, that's yeah. what irritates me a little bit. In Quebec, uh, General Motors was going to shut down a plant yeah. uh, with the loss of 620 jobs. Yeah. The prime minister went in there. The premier of Quebec went there. Everybody and his brother went there. MLAs, MPs, everybody. And they saved and they pay and they subsidized that, that plant so it will not shut down. And it was in the news, CBC, CTV, the Global Mail, okay, showing how nice, how these wonderful people are. Alberta lost 94,000 jobs. Not one beep from the Global Mail, CBC, or the federal government. None. Now Alberta has created 121,000 jobs. So we have recuperated the loss on the oil patch, mm -hmm. if you want to call it like that. But remember, the, what is called the negative multiplier. The negative multiplier means that when you lose your job in an oil company, mm -hmm. you are no longer staying in the motel. Yeah. So those people are out of clients. You lose that job, you don't longer go to the cafe for your food. So that business also is losing income so it's a and, eventually effect. and eventually yeah. those guys will go they have to be laid off yeah now we are recuperating that yeah and what what's the reason for that is that the the war effects of russia in in ukraine or it, it is it is also the fact that that the economy is, is slowly moving out of the recession sorry of the pandemic mm -hmm. uh airliners they need fuel again uh people are looking they're finding jobs mm -hmm. uh especially in the states and europe uh they need more and more uh, energy yeah. okay to transport themselves and then to to obtain those jobs so and to travel and now most ships are back on business except the cruise industry the tourism and the cruise ships they're still hurting 
uh, but the merchant ships are slowly coming online. And what fuel do ships use? Dirty diesel. Diesel fuel. Yep. Okay. If our beloved government wants to do something about global warming, it will be the implementation of fuel cells in every ship. And fuel cells by hydrogen? or By hydrogen. Mm -hmm. And that will cut. See, Mitch, I told you we got to invest in hydrogen, man. That will, <laughs> well, it is here is, you're going to invest in hydrogen. Um, you have to look at Germany, Germany? and Sweden. Okay. Canada is not the place. No, with this administrator. How about uh, the States? Hydrogen in the States, it will move. But remember, we have these super economical financial giants. Yeah. Mobile, Exxon, mm. Shell. Um, they know that we, as a species, as a race, as a, as a planet, will be using oil for decades. They know that. The yeah, only like people that don't know that is some people sitting in Ottawa <laughs> and close doors, close windows without looking out there. Could you explain to me how they're going to implement electrical charging stations in Nicaragua? How they're going to be, how is going to be available, availability, availability for, for electric cars in Haiti? Show me that. Explain that to me. I don't know. Well, another thing, too, is um, now my my, my question. Uh, my question is uh, an F-35 fighter jet. Can we use solar energy on that? An Abraham M1M1 tank from the U.S. Army. Can we power that unit with wind? No. All the destroyers, the fighter jets, the bombers, they use fuel. And all their line carriers, they will use fuel. And that is part of the global warming. Okay, so the best thing that we can do is to cut fuel on the shipping. Let me explain you something. That, that you take one cruise, one cruise ship, okay? And you go around the Caribbean in your ship and you come back beautiful. You put SUVs, not bumper to bumper, but door to door, from San Francisco to New York. And you turn the engines on and you let those engines keep on running. Who do you think produces more carbon? The SUVs from San Francisco to New York, park, running, idling, or the cruise ship? Probably the ship. The ship. A ship produces more uh, carbon contamination than all those SUVs. Well, it's also carrying its own weight plus the weight of the vehicles that are on yeah, there, yeah. plus the weight of the shipping containers and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So, right, so. so it will be the best thing that the government school do is to get together and start implementing fuel cells on the Technology. ships. Yeah, even in cars too. I, I know, like Toyota has been. Toyota to cars, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they, they 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 will do it. But when you have an electric car and it was like thirty two below, my doctor he has an electric vehicle. At, well, I don't want to mention the, the brand. Yeah, we won't. But uh, <laughs> uh, he he was driving, and in twenty minutes the car died on him. 
and it yeah. was fully fully loaded. He had this the heating seat. He had this the, the heating on the car, the wife, the radio. He thought that he was could drive an electric vehicle the same way that you drive a, 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 a gasoline yeah. vehicle, and it doesn't work. Not, yeah. In California, no worries. Texas, Arizona. It's like the yeah. same with your phone, right? If you let your s- phone sit outside in minus 20 for five minutes, the battery's probably going to drain. Yeah, yeah. yeah ba- ba- basically, that, that's what it says. And again, how people from Mexico can afford an electric vehicle? Yeah. How the government of Mexico can afford to put charging stations across the whole country? Well, their uh, salary we, did we go up. Yeah, we are not doing that even here. Yeah. You buy an electric vehicle, get out of Calgary, where are you going to charge it? Yeah, there's no, no no charge stations. Yeah, so you have to go to a buddy or a gas station and give the guy 25 bucks and then plug your car for three or five hours. Yeah. So so we are not there yet. Yeah. Okay? We are not there yet. And How and w- far away do you think we are from hydrogen fuel cell, or if ever are we going to be fully hydrogen? I will say we are good. Good thirty to fifty years away. Oh wow! Eh? Yeah. The next thirty, forty years is going to be oil fuel, and no army in the world is going to go electric, yeah. unless Putin has a, an option to go electric in their army. Okay, um, but yeah. um, no, no army in this world will go. Will go. And yeah, going back to uh, Putin and the the gas issue in Europe, you would think that. Canada would be sending a lot more LNG gas. Well, the president of Germany they came here and talked to our prime minister, and basically he went back to Germany with empty hands. He came here asking for natural gas. Because I remember, like, I used to work in commercial real estate back in 2017, 2018, mm-hmm. and we were doing quite a few deals. That's when oil tanked. It was in the negatives, and we were owing money for oil, actually. Mm. And uh, that's when LNG projects started to pick up. So I would imagine, you know, we would have the facilities to provide that. We don't. Yeah. Uh, Suncor built... I have a client that works for Suncor. He yeah. was sent to South Korea. In South Korea, they built two processing plants from liquid natural gas. Okay? That we, Alberta, was supposed to send that gas to to South Korea. To process. Yeah. No, no, we will process here. Mm-hmm. Okay, we take the gas, condense the gas, yep. make it liquid, put it in a container, send it to South Korea, and over there, they will reverse the process and have the gas again. Yeah. Okay, also the South Koreans, they want Alberta oil. They don't want the oil refined. They, don't, they just want they the just oil. Want crude. Yeah. Crude oil because over there, they can refine, and Alberta oil is superb for asphalt, pavement, uh, sealing up the rooftops, et cetera, et cetera. So, but again, we cannot deliver that oil. We cannot deliver the natural gas. And lastly, we cannot deliver coal from Alberta because the carbon. However, British Columbia, yes, they can sell their coal in international market, and it's no problem. But they refuse to ship ours. But we have a... a, 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 a a moratorium, I would say, in, in coal. And Alberta has natural gas, but we have f- um, uh, electrical plants producing electricity using coal. And that's California. 
So we're going to contaminate the environment more because the production of electricity is based on coal to plug our electric cars. Well, that's the problem in China right now, right? They have all those electric vehicles, but what powers those electric vehicles? The good old coal, coal mines. Yeah. Coal. And yeah. we were supposed to sell a na liquid natural gas to China, but again, this at the top here, they are not getting, I will say, they, they cannot get the big picture. And now what is happening is that China is buying natural gas from Russia. Mm. When we were supposed to sell our natural gas to Japan, South Korea, and China. And the Chinese are probably getting it at a nice discount. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that, that is uh, roughly what, what is happening. And, and, and this is macroeconomics, macro-global economics, and infects, yeah. uh, and af in, you know, affects the bond rate. Yeah. And that's why the bond rate uh, is coming lower, yeah. we say, uh, uh, pre-pandemic levels. So now is the time to, to take advantage of that rate. So that kind of goes back to the main question. Like, what do you suggest for people who are, you know, they're not really sure if they want to buy a property or they should wait. Like, what do you suggest? In economics, is something called opportunity cost. Mm -hmm. What is opportunity cost? Opportunity. My opportunity cost right now is that I'm sitting here instead of being with a client promoting my business. Mm -hmm. that, that's my opportunity cost. Yeah. Okay. When a client is paying rent, roughly rent is about $1,500 to $1,700 right now, mm -hmm. okay? When a client is paying rent, his opportunity cost is 1,700% per month. That's what it's costing the client, he or she, to be renting. Why don't put that money into your own pocket and follow my plan to, to pay the house in 15 years, okay? And in that way, you are making capitalization on real estate, on the property. What does that mean? Explain capitalization is the equity on the property. You capitalize in the fact that, well, my example, when I bought my first, my first house, was in Mackenzie Lake, those days was $124,000 for the buy level. No garage, developed basement, brand new. Yeah. Okay, so I bought the house for $124,000. My investment was 5% down payment from my RRSPs. Okay, so my investment was $6,000. Yeah. Okay, I sold that house about 10 months ago, and I sold that house for about $385,000. In the meantime, that property had a yield, okay, of roughly $15,000 per year on rental income. So you were essentially making $15,000 in rental income? In rental income per year. And I said, because I was charging $1,500, and I multiplied that times 10 months of a year. Mm -hmm. Wait, wait a second, but a year has 12 months. Well, but sometimes the house is going to be empty for yeah. a month. The house so average 10 months. I average 10 months. Yeah. And that is $15,000. And I own that house for, for 15 years. Mm -hmm. So that house, the yield of that house was $225,000 in rent. 
and in top, those 15 years in those 15 years yeah. and in top that it went from 124 to 384 so how much did you yield in terms of uh appreciation well at that i said I bought other, it than, for, for other than rent i i got it i, I rented i I bought it for 124 and I sold it for 384. So let's do 124, 384 minus 124. So you made $260,000 plus 225,000 on 225 rental. 225 in 485. Mm -hmm. so now if that doesn't make people wanted to buy a house instead of renting, I I, I don't know what what else will How make much them. was your monthly mortgage payment if you don't oh, mind me asking? Oh. It was tough. I think it was $840 a month. How much, Lee? $840 a month. $840 a month. So mm -hmm. you said you were making $4,000 a month, approximately? Approximately, yeah. And you s and 800, 800, what, sorry? 40? Yeah, 840, yeah. 840, so times 12. So realistically, you were doing $5,000 per year in rental income when you subtract your mortgage payments yep, 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 yep. over 15 years that's still seventy five thousand dollars and then 385 minus 125 124 124 is 260 plus $75,000 so $335,000 in 15 years that's $22,000 a year on a $6,000 investment. investment. That is no that is no mutual fund that is going to pay you that. Yeah. Okay. So my 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 situation is if you 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 want to buy having a house is better than renting all the time. Mm -hmm. Okay? And what you should do is is to get into the market, even a condo, a townhouse, something to get into the market. Because prices are going to keep going up. Alberta already, you guys are realtors, you know better than I do, yeah. that houses, they're going up between 1.5 to 3.4% already. Yeah. Okay? Remember, we had, we had about 60,000 people that moved into Alberta last year. Okay? We have created uh, 221,000 jobs in Alberta. So, and unfortunately, there is not enough product in the market for sale. So, so that is keeping the prices at balance, and and some in some situations is going up a little bit, like in Edmonton, for instance. Mm -hmm. Houses are starting to clinch upwards in Edmonton. They do. Okay. Yeah. So my advice to people that are renting to really to really make numbers. You call, you know, call Mary, Kenny. Mitch. And call Mitch. <coughs> sorry. And call Mitch <coughs> for some advice. You know, and remember, hablamos español. <laughs> Somos fluidos en español. Please remember that. You call the realtors, you call these three, and you will have an interpreter in no time. That would be me. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, so so it is. We're living in very exciting times. Yeah. So that's good to hear. Yeah. You know, despite the inflation and all the negativity that's out there, that you know people can expect some positive aspects. Oh yeah. Oh, make oh, some yes, money. Yes. 
Uh, and this war with Russia eventually will will phase down. Mm -hmm. uh, we already seen some signals. Mm -hmm. um, Russia cannot compete with the West, with the Allies, yep. when it comes to to money yep. and, and equipment. Yep. Because they get blown one tank, the Americans and the Europeans, they send five tanks to the Ukrainians. Yep. So so there is no way that this guy can, can do anything. So, so they have to more or less compromise, compromise keep the Crimea, um, move out of the invaded uh, territories, whatever it has to be done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, um, on that bombshell, Rafael, yeah. we'll wrap up. Yeah. Be very nice, guys. Yeah. We appreciate yeah, you being here. Yeah, nice <laughs> questions. Smart, positive, constructive questions. I like that. Yeah, and your answers, as always, superb. Yeah. Oh, so man, no, no worries, that. no worries. <laughs> Just remember, Mitch, Mary, and Kenny. And our amigo, Rafael. Call them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Rafael. Take care, buddies. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.